0: 2 Corinthians five, twenty-one. If you would please follow with me as we read the word of the Lord, and then ask Him to teach us. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this amazing text. and Father, thank you that you have brought us through the fifth chapter now. And that, Father, we... Uh, we who have ears to hear, I pray, Lord, that we've been encouraged, that our hearts are lifted, that our spirits are rejoicing, and that we understand the glory of the risen King and the individuals who are clothed in Christ's righteousness. Thank you, Father, and I ask now that you would teach us, you would open our eyes to the, the wonder of wonders, this massive reward. And I just praise you, Father that you'll help us. Help us to walk worthy. Help us to walk in a manner that brings great honor and praise unto you. And Father, may we, as ambassadors, as children of the King, would understand that clothed in Christ's righteousness, we now speak for the King of kings and Lord of lords. To your glory and praise. Amen. I shared with you that the 2 Corinthians is dealing with ministry. And what i hope that you've gotten out of these last few months is that our ministry is really very narrow there's not a lot of uh, confusion to it it's it's a simple real straightforward that we actually will beg people uh, appealing to people uh, through the these earthen vessels as paul calls us to be reconciled to god Uh, Ministry is the ministry of reconciliation, taking a sinful human being and reconciling back to a holy, perfect, righteous God. And that's basically what it is. And if if you're truly honest with yourselves, um, there is too much today that is focused on man, and man is still sinful. Those that are even saved are still sinful. And yet we want to bring the emphasis to us and that is amazing to me in light of who God is. And, and I hear, I share with you, I know numerous pastors in this town, and, and the things that I hear individuals and congregations that are praying for uh, at times breaks my heart because I think about what has already been given and let us walk in that. That's why I gave this verse 21 what I call true hope. Uh, I hear a lot of things that people chase or, or they'll petition God for and they think that it will bring them hope. And it's not going to. It is not going to help them one iota. And, and yet, when I, I listen to this, it is obvious at times that people do not understand what has already been given to them because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That is amazing to me. Um, and, and, And yet, it was for such a time as this. This text, this one verse, we see there, He made. The giver is God. He made the way. He had a plan. Okay, And then the gift... Is him who knew no sin. Well, that that narrows that down like really fast. So God's plan made sure that there was one who had no sin, who knew no sin. That was the only way it was going to get done. Why? Because God doesn't plea bargain. It's his standard of righteousness. Here it is. And I'm no longer just... If I lower the standard of righteousness and yet I watch Christians today who want to lower the standard of righteousness, you can't do that. God didn't do that. What would ever give you the right to do that? And yet, well, but you don't understand. No, I do understand. We want to be comfortable in our sin. And we want someone to make us comfortable in our sin. Let's pass a law. You know, that you can do this. And, and and it's it's amazing to me that in light of what Jesus Christ did for us, that we are so easily willing to jettison God's standard. I mean, and it's we're all guilty of it. There's times that we curve righteousness. I mean, false religions, that's what they do. Here, let me make a standard of righteousness that I can attain. And it comes in all kinds of shapes and forms. Every religion but Christianity does it. If you do this and this and this, he'll be happy with you. And it's not true. Because the giver had a plan. The gift was he who knew. And the recipients are those who would believe. He, is, he was to be sent on our behalf. To be sent on our behalf. Why? He was, I mean, to use Paul's Colossian narrative, you would say he was clothed in our sin because we are now clothed in his righteousness. Our sin account was imputed to him. His righteous, holy account was imputed to us. Okay? Which brings me to the fourth and last point. The reward of true hope. The reward of true hope. Look what it says. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. What did He who knew no sin provide us see most of the time people want to get saved right because they want to go to heaven right most of the people that you talk to they don't want to go to hell okay but that's what they want alright do you realize that that is not the reason God saved you now don't get me wrong wrong It's a neat benefit, but that is not why God saved you. All right, he saved you to show creation his power over sin of all kinds. That's why he saved you that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. But once you have become that righteous, then the doors to heaven are open to you. Because before then, you can't get in. You ain't getting in. And and I, and I, I don't understand that. God, Christ, he who knew no sin, provided for us the righteousness of God in him. It's the doctrine of imputation. It was put into my account. Everything that was negative towards God that was in my account has been completely paid for and now the only thing that is in my account is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Do you think about that? That's amazing to me. We have become righteous before God. We can stand rightly before a holy pure God. That ought to rock your universe. That, ought, that should set you into a state of awe that you can't be moved from. I don't care what's going on in your life. I stand holy, perfect before a holy, perfect God. I mean, that gives a whole new meaning to wow. The doctrine of justification. The judge has ruled innocent. Think about that for a second. Innocent. At that ruling of innocence, the righteousness is given to every. Believer, and it is the very righteousness that is Jesus Christ. Now, think about that for a second because God spoke from heaven about his Son in whom he was well pleased. That's a believer today. Today, right now, the moment that you are indwelt and sealed by the person of the Holy Spirit, well done. True and faithful servant. Now listen, you can be the biggest donkey that God's led into the kingdom. But it still doesn't mean you do not have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a text. Philippians chapter 3. Okay, now I want you to think about this. This is one of the prison Letters. Paul's in chains, and he writes this letter, beginning in verse seven. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted a loss for the sake of Christ. Okay. More than that, verse eight, I count all things to be lost. In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Okay, Scublion, dung. It's a pile of manure. What? All things. I count it all lost. Okay, why? Because I want to know Christ. That is the supreme value. Surpassing value of knowing Christ, my Lord. And because I know Christ, my Lord, guess what? I have suffered the loss of all things. Now look what he says next that I may gain Christ, and then verse 9, and may be found in Him. Now look what he says. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to his death. It isn't my work that I have righteousness. It is Christ's righteousness that is seen in my work. That's what Paul's saying. I see people who are busting their butts to prove the righteousness of God. And I can tell that it's, they're doing it because they are the, some of the most miserable creatures I've ever seen in my life. But bless their hearts. They be trying. But you can't do it. Put the standard up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't even worry about your neighbor as yourself. Just do that one. That's what the law says. And I watch people struggle with all kinds of, quote-unquote, morality, thinking that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You can't. But if I count all things lost to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, then my life will bear fruit of God's righteousness. It isn't my right. It's not the way I was behaving. You know, every day I and you know, I got people got mad at me one time. I was starving to death, and we had stopped at uh, the proverbial holy eating place, Cracker Barrel. <laughs> we stopped at Cracker Barrel, and I was starving. I mean, I was I was going to twitter away, and they brought us the food, and I started eating. They looked at me and says, "Aren't you going to give thanks?" And I says, "Without ceasing." Well, you didn't pray for the food. I haven't paid for it. Then I'll eat it first. And then I'll say, God didn't provide that. Do you see what I'm trying to get up? You sit there and go, are you kidding me? Really? We're supposed to pray without ceasing. When am I going to eat? But but you see people and they think that this is what you got to do. It's time to eat. You better pray. Why? You could choke on a green bean. Well, oh, I could choke on a green bean even if I prayed. But you see people who do this, and it's a standard of let me show righteousness by keeping the law. By keeping the law. In case you ain't figured it out, that annoys me. Because it is because he who knew no sin has put me in God's righteousness. The righteousness from God has been put into my account. Okay, my sin was imputed to Christ at Calvary. Listen, we are sinful, and God imputes His holiness to us. Now, I want to take you back a while because this was spoken of a few years before this, um, Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35, verse 8. Isaiah speaking of the coming kingdom. Okay, this is prophetic. And he's speaking of the glory of God in quote-unquote Zion in Israel. Here's what it says in verse 8. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, But it will be for him who walks that way, and the fools shall not wander onto it. Okay, why? Who provided a highway? It's a highway of holiness and the presence of God. Where did it come from? God gave it. And he says the fool can't find it. He ain't going to wander onto it. And those who are unclean can't get on it. It will only be those, as we read this morning in Ezekiel, who have a new heart. I will remove the heart of stone, and I'll put a heart of flesh in it. And you will do what with my ordinances? They will be the passion of your soul. That's the born again, the new creation, He's already told us. It's already there. You don't add to it. That's what Roman Catholicism says. Jesus saved you, now you've got to work out your sanctification. You know, a whole bunch of Hail Marys and a few mass and a French hen and a turtle dove or something. You can't do it. I couldn't make myself sanctified. I couldn't get myself saved. If I can't get myself saved, how in the world am I going to make myself holy? The righteous, the very righteousness of God The righteousness that he requires to accept a sinner is the righteousness that God requires and provides in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's your reward. It is so massive, it literally gets you into heaven. Into sinless perfection. Absent from the body. Present with the Lord. You think about all the silly things that we chase. Okay, I know you guys don't chase nothing silly. I have. All right? And you think it's going to bring you hope. You think it's going to bring you joy. You think it's going to bring you little smiles on your face. And you'll skip to the doodah like a little lamby going across the pasture. Well, I got to this for you. As soon as you get there, the pasture's going to burn up. There's going to be a wolf hot on your tail. And you're going to be running, sweating as you go. All right, but you say, well, I got there. And he says, you already have access to the highway of holiness and the new Jerusalem. The fools can't even wander in on it. The unclean can't. Only those who have entered into the righteousness of God. And they can only enter into the righteousness of God through the completed work of Jesus Christ. When God looks at us, he sees us covered by the righteousness of Christ Jesus you think about that listen we all have stumbled and what do you call it now backslidden or uh, you know whatever it is we call it these days I have moral challenges I don't know we got all kinds of goofy names for it All right. there's all times and yet I watch people they all of a sudden they'll start carrying this guilt well but I sin you've been forgiven when? all of them How could that be? Because you weren't involved in it. If you were involved in it, you might want to be nervous. But you're not involved in it. You are nothing but a clay pot with a precious treasure inside. Now, if that wasn't true, be afraid. But that's true. All of our sins... At the moment of your salvation, all of our sins are automatically and forever and eternally forgiven. Jesus has paid the penalty. I don't care what the sin is. Well, but down there was a dandy. No. I remember a number of years ago when uh, George Bush was the uh, governor of Texas? There was a lady who had. Uh, done a bunch of methamphetamine and got pretty jacked up and uh, had killed some people with a pickaxe, okay? Um, that's pretty serious stuff right there now. I don't care what anybody says, okay? And they found her guilty. They put her on death row. And if you've... She's down in Texas, so, you know, they've got like an express lane, okay? You know, they, don't, they don't fool around down there. You're guilty of death, see you. Bye, okay? And everybody and her brother, the lady comes to Christ, On death row. And everybody and their brothers decides that we should spare this woman and her testimony get broadcast and all the rest of it. And I watched an interview with her, and she says, well, I appreciate their concerns with me, but if I leave this body, I go be with Christ. And I'm like, you know, she got more going on than the rest of these people. Because I tell you what, if somebody put my death sentence knowing that I could go be with Christ, and they said, no, we're going to spend life here, I'm killing another one. Why? Because she looked at it and she says, you know what? I'm saved. And I have the righteousness of Christ clothing me. Therefore, when I leave this vessel, I'm going to go be with Christ. Sounds like a good idea to me. I even think I would like to do it the way my buddy did eating his Cheerios this week. One spoon in, fall over and hide Jesus. You know, there ain't none of this elongated, sorrowful, anything. Like that. Now, you know, his wife's still here. Bummer. But you know what? I was, and then I wasn't. Do you understand that God will not, God cannot hold us responsible for our sin? Jesus paid the full penalty. It's all paid. Jesus took the full fury of God's wrath that was due each and every repentant sinner who comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jesus took it. And I watch people. Well, what happens if you sin after salvation? Those two, I've heard this argument. Listen, when he paid the penalty for your sin, do you realize you weren't born? You mean crookeds people? I don't understand it. I listen to a pastor try to defend it. Well, you know they really need to work on it after they get. No, if he died for my sin on Calvary, that's two thousand years before I was born. He's got it covered. Even after I'm saved. If you're really honest with you, the work of the cross was all future anyway. Right? Remember what he said? When John says, Who can open the scrolls? And the elder looked over and says, Behold, the Lamb of God slain when? Before the foundations of the world. This wasn't a surprise. This was planned. This was planned. Your and my redemption was planned before there was a creation. Grab that. Well, that sounds like great stuff to me. And that reward is you're now just the righteousness of Christ before God. That's all. See, that was the plan of the giver. He made. He made. God said, I'm going to do it. Why? These guys ain't going to get reconciliation. He had a plan and the gift was for his son to die for all the sins of all who would ever believe. Let me get this again for you. Letter to the Romans, chapter 3, verse 21. Now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made, has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. All right. Um, What he's saying here, Paul is trying to tell you and I here is that apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been seen. Here's the standard. And it is apart from the law. Okay. Okay. It wasn't in the keeping of the law that it was seen. Okay, speaking of the Savior. All right. But what he says is, but we have this redemption was made witnessed by who? The law and the prophets. It's already been talked about. You know, it's, it's, it's like uh, I know kids right now who are coming out of seminary that believed in the Old Testament. You got saved by keeping the law. And in the New Testament, you are saved by the grace of God. Well, that means nobody in the Old Testament made it. (laughs) Okay, and yet the angel came to Daniel and said, Daniel, I have an answer of your prayers and you are highly exalted in the heavens. Do you know what that means? You've got the Godhead there. You've got the holy angels there and that's it. And between the Godhead and the holy angels, Daniel is highly exalted. That's an impressive resume if the holy angels say, yeah, that dude got it. I'm not sure that's exactly how they said it. But you get my point. What do you do with Abraham? They call him the father of works. (laughs) He's the father of faith. But if you look at him, he was a knucklehead. I want you to leave your father and everything else and go to where I won't tell you where you're going until you get there. And he said, Well, I'm taking everything with me. And I'll make you be the father of as many as the sands of the sea. Well, I'm taking my nephew just in case. Why does it sound like someone who's believing God? It sounds like somebody. I'm covering my bases here. You know, I've played cards with this guy before, I got Joker's Wild. That's what I see. Okay, and yet you watch Abraham's life and it got down to he had a son when he was in his 90s and he says, I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice to me. He laughed and said, all right, no problem. He wouldn't have done that out of the gates. But he figured that, hey... He's brought me this far. I've watched what he does. He's proven himself faithful. If I kill my son because he asked me to, he'll raise him from the dead. Was it like he was running around seeing a lot of people raised from the dead? No. So, do you see what I'm trying to get at? He's the father of faith. How are you saved in the Old Testament? Same way you are in the New Testament by faith. The righteous shall live by. Interesting concept, don't you think? I mean, you can summarize 66 book of the Bible with that verse. The righteous shall live by faith. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all of those who believed, For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, we have a righteousness that you and I can't produce. You can't do it. I was reading john bunyan he wrote that uh, Pilgrim's progress book and he was talking about one time his prayers uh john bunyan was a trip um he says my most righteous prayers have enough sin to condemn humanity (laughs) you're like what and i thought you know they locked him up in the tower of london and said we will let you out if you promise to quit preaching the gospel And he had a handicapped daughter and a wife that depended on his living to eat. And he says, nope, keep me in the Tower of London. He used to stand at the Tower window of London, if you've ever been there. It's right by the river. And he would stand there and he would preach his sermons on Sunday morning. And tens of thousands of people would line up and down the Thames River to hear him preaching out of the Tower window. (laughs) But did they applaud? (laughs) <laughs> okay? But I I you listen to this man and you say, "Man, your prayers would condemn human humanity." You know what mine would do? <laughs> Why? Because it to stand before a holy perfect God, you have to be holy perfect to be right standing before him. And it is his standard of righteousness. It's not our standard of righteousness. And that's the key. Okay. Then the question. How do you get in on that? Okay. It's easy. Belief. And everybody says, "Well, all right," because I know a lot of people right now believe in Jesus Christ, especially around December the twenty-fifth. Okay, it's a little more than that. You know, and you, you can go jump back into Romans, and you can go to Romans and say, "Well, you know, if I believe that God raised him from the dead, and that I confess with my mouth that He is Lord, then you will be saved." Huh? Do you understand what that means? Okay? Because I'm about to explain it to you. Paul did an economy of words. And I want to tell you what that means. That God raised him from the dead. And you confess him as Lord. One. You need to believe that you are a sinner. No. I don't want to hear that you're morally challenged. You are a sinner. I do not want to hear that you have a character flaw. You are a sinner. That is what God called it. You are a sinner and all fall short of the glory of God. All right? Two, because you're a sinner, you are in a desperate situation. Okay? One of the things that I've watched in the evangelical community is that we are not communicating how desperate a place you're in. I watch people who say, Well, my life hasn't been that bad. You know, I didn't get involved in drugs. I didn't do the womanizing. I haven't committed adultery and I haven't stolen nothing and all the rest of it. And you just blew up your big old window right there and you just fell into pride, which condemned Lucifer. So you and Lucifer are running neck and neck. We don't have an idea of how desperate of a place we are, which brings me that if I don't understand that, do I understand I have no hope because I'm a sinner? to be reconciled in this life none impossible your good deeds don't get it in this life you live godless in the next life you will be tormented forever now then believe that okay Then you go to the next step, that God sent his son in the form of a man to die as our substitute. I was in a sinner, hopeless place, desperate place, no ability whatsoever to reconcile this relationship, and Christ became my substitute. What was due me, he paid. He took my place. He took the full wrath of God. Okay? Then I believe in God's justice. God's justice was satisfied because God raised Jesus from the dead. It means that the sacrifice, the substitution was acceptable to a holy, perfect, righteous God. Raised him from the dead. Wrath satisfied, knowing that, then Jesus is exalted to the right hand of the Father in heaven, where he sits at this moment and he still intercedes on behalf of those who will come and be on behalf of those who have come. And when he is done, he will be given the name above all names, and every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay? Now listen. We can summarize that and say, I believe that God raised him from the dead, and I have confessed him as he is Lord. What I just gave you is in that. Okay? But it's detailed. Because I've heard people tell me, well, you can't say Jesus is Lord if God hasn't saved you. Really? Really? You haven't been on a construction site. I've been on construction site. They say Jesus is Lord all the time. Okay. No. And then I'm going to ask you a simple question. You believe he raised him from the dead? And if you say yes, then I'm going to say, what problem you got? Just give me a problem. Tell me your problem. Oh, he did. I tell you, he raised him from the dead. That pretty much takes care of every problem, doesn't it? See, that's what we believe. That is what is the good news. That is what our ministry is. And when you believe that by faith, that you're willing to walk in that, that will become the power and force of my life, then the righteousness of Jesus Christ is put fully into your account. You're not in the process. You know, I'm getting a rice or just paycheck on Friday. I want to deposit it. God's got automatic deposit though. No man, it's all there. It's all there. Because your sins were imputed to Jesus Christ when he died on the cross. Do you realize that? When he was hanging on the cross, he was paying for this generation's sin? Do you understand the pain and agony when he says, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani is? He says, I'm paying for sin of people who haven't even been born yet. And has separated me from my father. The father knew you and I were there when his son died at Calvary. He knew us each individually. Your name, 2,000 years ago, was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I've heard people try to tell me that they sometimes he writes it in there and he erases it and all the rest of it. And I'm sitting there going, You've got to be the goofiest person I've ever met. And tragically, I have said that. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. You're telling me that it almost got finished? And I'm telling you, that is not my God. He wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life before there was a world. That atonement was for you and me then. You come to believe and you receive. You believe and at the moment of your belief, you receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In its totality. Then you live a life in this life. You live right now. With God in your life. You know what they call that? You become godly. You literally can manifest the glory of God. You know what that means? The nature and the character of of God our Creator is manifested in clay pots. Then in the future, in eternity, you will be in the presence of God and you will be in absolute perfection. And it's all because of the righteousness of Je- Jesus Christ. That is the gospel ministry of reconciliation. That is Christianity. That is God's plan. And out of His love, He gave us the gift of Jesus. And Jesus, in that gift, He took our place. And we now have the reward. All of us who believe now have the righteousness of God has been put into our account. And that righteousness is only equal to Christ's holiness. Hmm. Someday I look for a holy container. I look for a body that was as Christ when it rose from the grave. That's what I want. It's the only thing I ever really asked for in in my prayers now. Why? I already have the righteousness of Christ. The precious treasure is on the... Inside, The only thing that I'm looking for now is, let me get a newer container. You know, this Tupperware thing is just not getting it. (laughs) You know what Tupperware is for, right? Leftovers. But anyway. Okay? I'm tired of leftovers. I don't want this. I'm ready. I'm ready to walk in the presence of Jesus Christ and of God the Father and to know as I am known. Why? Because of already what has happened in the believer's life is that you're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Until then, we are covered by God's righteousness and it is ours through faith. And it's not even a faith of our own, but a gift from God. And that's why we tell people, believe and repent. Repent. Well, you mean you need to repent first. I don't care which order you put it in. Gee, many crickets. Because I've heard people who argue over it. Well, but you've got to repent before you can believe. Or you've got to believe before you repent. I don't think it's it's the same coin. You're going to believe or repent or repent or believe it. (laughs) Back and forth. It's not that big a deal. Uh, You don't understand. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You're trying to strain a gnat. Okay? And I pray you don't choke on it. And I don't mean that lovingly. Let me wrap this up because I want you to think about something. What do you put your faith in? I can tell you this. It's seen. What you put your trust in is seen. Okay? And you and I, as we conclude the fifth chapter, we need to look at our hearts. Okay? It's a lot more fun to look at everybody else's, but that's not the issue. The issue is you have been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's a fact. If you believe today. And when you hear the word repent, most people go, oh my God, that's one of them Baptist things. Uh, No, not really. Okay? The truth of the matter is, if you're saved, repentance is a blast. I don't have to work at it. If God says, don't do that, all all right, I won't do that. That's repentance. I'm changing direction. And if I think about Him being separated from the Father before I was ever conceived, I have no problem with repentance. His ways are not our ways. But you know what is cool about His ways? They're only perfect. We are reconciled. The broken, shattered relationship between sinner and God has been mended. Therefore, we can cry for others to be reconciled. Be clothed in the righteousness that is in Him. God's righteousness. Be reconciled. And know that God has made a way. Repent. Turn from sin. Forgiveness is sin and your hope of heaven are before you. He bore our sin. He did it willingly. He set his face as a flint toward Jerusalem knowing what he was doing. When he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, remove this cup, but your will be done. And he did it. He did it. He bore our sins that we may bear God's righteousness. And you know what, brothers and sisters? If he never gave me one other thing in this life, I am already the wealthiest human being that has ever walked the planet or will ever walk the planet okay let's pray father thank you for your word thank you for calvary thank you lord for clothing us in the righteousness of jesus christ and father taking full wrath that was due each and every one of us father let us never take that for granted father let us Let us always be overwhelmed by it. And, Father, even when we fail, let us rest in that assurance. Let us rest in that assurance. Help us, Lord. Help us, I beg you, to help us walk worthy of this calling. And yet, Father, may we have a passion to beg those who are not even seeking to be reconciled to the King of kings and Lord of lords. I thank you for this text. I thank you for my brother Paul who went before. And Father, may we be followers of Jesus Christ as Paul was the father of you, follower of you. Thank you, Lord, for this day, for the blessings you've given us, for the blessings you shall give us. And Father, the eternal hope, the true hope that is before us. Thank you, Father.